106.3 WCBN-FM Ann Arbor. Locate us on the web at WCBN.org. 15 seconds remain. Hunwick has it. Pandora's box, a box of chocolates Would I know To stay away What's it? Pandora's box, a box of chocolates Would I eat them anyway? Cause every time I have half a mind to leave you, babe That means I have half a mind to stay Good evening, it's Pandora's Lunchbox on WCBN-FM Ann Arbor. Back on that in just a moment, that is, uh, pardon the Cambodian breastfeeding announcement there, that's that's for another show. That happens a lot, those Cambodian breastfeeding announcements come up, and well, what do you say? So anyway, this is Pandora's Lunchbox, a show about food and culture and food in culture, and waiter, there's culture in my food. Did you know that the chicken is called Gallus Gallus Domesticus? Other than that, though, there's a lot going on, and we're going to get right to that right now. We're going to talk about John F. Kennedy and other matters, and whether John F. Kennedy truly believed he was a jelly donut. This is an important cultural moment. It Actually, today is an important cultural moment, seriously. It's the 50th anniversary. Today is... The 50th anniversary of the day that Senator John F. Kennedy came to the University of Michigan and stood on the steps of the Michigan Union and made a speech, a speech that encouraged young people to get involved in other countries, helping out other countries. And this led to the formation of the Peace Corps when a bunch of U of M students got inspired, got together and got things going. So that was 50 years ago today. We'll talk about that in a little bit and also jelly donuts. But first of all, I'd like to play something from what may have the most frightening album cover of all time. This is Louis Prima and Keeley Smith. This album is called Breaking It Up and features such tunes as Chili Sauce and One Mint Julep. But no, that's not the food song you're going to hear right now. This is called Chop Suey Chow Mein, and it features a tantalizing pronunciation of the word tofu that I think you will enjoy. And also... Well, why is this the most frightening album cover of all time? It's not the clothing. This is a painting, if you will, a drawing, a painting of Louis Prima and Keeley Smith. Louis Prima wearing a a smart suit with a rather candy-colored tie, some pink, some blue, some green stripes on it. Keeley Smith in a very nice red dress, uh, sleeveless red dress. What's more alarming is that uh, Louis Prima, well, he's got a trumpet in his mouth, but he's not holding on to it. It's just sticking up like a like a pretzel, only turning into a trumpet and bursting flames out the other end like it was the end of a sunflower trumpet hybrid. And his eyes are not just green, but swirling green and very frightening. And Keeley Smith has the largest swirling red eyes you've ever seen. And her mouth smiling open is almost as big as her whole head. I won't go on. I don't want you to have bad dreams tonight. But actually, though, this might might be a good dream for you. Let's just move on, shall we? Possibly the most frightening album cover of all time and some truly beautiful music from Louis Prima and Keeley Smith. Chop 
absolute chow mein tofu and you I've got the craziest yen To get you in a Chinese den Where I can whisper love words full of spice After we get full of tea and rice Chop suey chow mein tofu and you I've got a feeling tonight That will be pretty clever if we ever get together with chop suey chow mein rice and tea Shoes and rice and you and me Chop suey chow mein young one tofu and you Chop suey chow mein tofu and you I've got a feeling tonight I'm gonna let you hold me tight Remember what the great Confucius say Girl and boy who have wedding day Chop suey chow mein tofu and you I've got a feeling tonight That will be pretty clever if we ever get together With chop suey chow mein rice and tea Shoes and rice and you and me Chop suey chow mein Young one tofu and you Subgum scallopini Shoes and rice And you and me And baby how about a little egg Fucacitori Chop suey chow man Young one tofu and you Egg fucacitori anyone? 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 We'll have to come up with a recipe for that We'll look for that in just a moment But that is the glorious sound Of Louis Prima and Keeley Smith And Chop suey chow mein, tantalizingly pronouncing the word tofu. Now, I've heard tofu and dofu as very common pronunciations of tofu or dofu, but tofu is new to me. So this is a learning experience all the way around. This is Pandora's Lunchbox. I'm Mike, and a truly wonderful thing happened 50 years ago. Today I was just mentioning, and now I did not, I was not here at 2 o'clock in the morning at the Michigan Union, though I was very tempted to be. Hundreds of people did gather, though, at the Michigan Union at 2 a.m. this morning. They were commemorating the precise moment on October 14, 1960, that presidential candidate John F. Kennedy challenged University of Michigan students to commit their lives to service in developing countries. And U of M students got inspired, got the ball rolling, and eventually from that came the, the Peace Corps. Now... As a food show, it is our important duty to find out what kind of food John F. Kennedy liked, perhaps what he was eating that night. From the Kennedy Library, it says here, We cannot verify that this was President John F. Kennedy's favorite breakfast, but he did prefer orange juice, poached eggs on toast, crisp broiled bacon, 
marmalade, milk, and coffee. For lunch, President Kennedy was particularly fond of soup. New England fish chowder was a favorite. He has been described as a soup, sandwich, and fruit man for lunch. Always soup, though. For dinner, there were no particular favorites, although we did like lamb chops, steak, baked chicken, and turkey, white meat, and don't forget mashed potatoes. He was also fond of seafood and baked beans. Seafood and baked beans. I don't know if he ate those together. Nice back baked bean and back bacon, baked bean, salmon, egg foo cacciatore dish might be appealing right now. According to chefs who worked in the White House, President Kennedy liked corn muffins, too. For dessert, if he had it, corn muffins. We have we have a cheer for corn muffins, muffins here. For dessert, if he had it, it would likely be chocolate. President Kennedy was a small eater. He often had to be reminded that it was dinner time. Politics always took preference over food. But food figured broadly in a certain urban myth related to Mr. John F. Kennedy in Berlin. Perhaps you know what I'm about to say here. Ich bin ein Berliner, said John F. Kennedy. He was in Berlin expressing his solidarity with the people of Berlin, said Ich bin ein Berliner, I am a Berliner. And the popular story, which I think is delightful, mind you, is that he was actually saying, translated, I am a jelly donut. I am a jelly donut, he said dramatically, according, so the story goes. Well, a Berliner is a kind of jelly donut, in fact, but... It has been discussed as follows by several people. First of all, uh, Ich bin ein Berliner was said to be incorrect because you were supposed to say Ich bin Berliner. Ich bin Berliner means I am a, I am a Berliner. But so says linguist Jürgen Eichhoff. He analyzed Kennedy's statement in an academic journal in 1993. He said Ich bin ein Berliner, as Kennedy said it, is not only correct, but the one and only correct way of expressing in German what the president intended to say. An actual Berliner would say in proper German, Ich bin Berliner. But that wouldn't have been the correct phrase for Kennedy to use. The indefinite article Ein is required, Eichhoff explains, to express a metaphorical identification. So if you leave out the word Ein, the speaker could be taken to say that he is literally a citizen of Berlin. So John F. Kennedy saying Ich bin ein Berliner means... Essentially, I would be proud to be a Berliner, or words to that effect. That is not actually the best translation, but not calling himself a jelly donut because, in a, as a matter of fact, the word Berliner was used with other words combined with it to describe the donut. And although if you really, let me put it this way, if what, you, what should you take away from this? If you want to take away a jelly donut from this, I think you should because jelly donuts are very fattening and round. So if that's what you like, then I'm not going to stop you. This is Pandora's Lunchbox. I hope that has been enlightening. Now, we're going to talk in a moment about certain arches of gold and certain things that they're doing. In the meantime, we're going to be inspired by songs of fast food. I've got a couple of songs called Fast Food. I have a couple of songs about clams, but I didn't bring them with me, so fast food will have to do. This is Richard Thompson, who, by the way, is performing at the Michigan Theater on Tuesday, November 2nd. This is from his album Mirror Blue from 1994. And the beauty of this song is that it's hard to understand exactly what he's saying, but it's about fast food and about pigs and about something else. And um, he doesn't say tofu, though. He does not say tofu, and he does not mention egg foo cacciatore, but it goes a little something like this. Heavy on the sauce, double of 
I think I dropped the song right there. Oof. That was Richard Thompson and Fast Food. Yes, indeed. Now, why is it that I can't understand what he's saying much of the time? Because he's a great musician and singer, and he has unique phrasing for sure. Some of his songs are more articulate than others, you might say. Now, part of it is his wonderful Notting Hill, West London accent, and part of it is just probably because he's too cool. I think that pretty much sums it up right there if that meant anything at all. This is Pandora's Lunchbox, a show about food. And I want to mention something that my friend Ron brought to my attention about a certain Mickey D's Golden Arches uh, conglomerate that I usually don't talk about so much. But the exciting news is that in Hong Kong, I'm trying to get the exact wording here. In Hong Kong, in fact, you are able, well, you're able to get married there. Here it is, here it is. This is, this is much better than, than babbling sometimes. Lam, perhaps a publication, is reporting that a Hong Kong McDonald's will become the first city in the world to roll out McDonald's nuptial packages for couples as of January 1st, 2011. What a great way to start a new year, don't you think? I think so. The package has all the details to attract a wedding banquet cynic or a Golden Arches obsessive. Get those two together, and what kind of fun are you going to have? I'll tell you. A baked apple pie wedding cake, dress made out of party balloons... 
Sounds like something not for kids. Kitty party favors for guests, however, and of course catering by McDonald's. It must be noted, though, that the baked apple pie wedding cake is actually just a bunch of microwaved apple pies in individually sized boxes stacked on top of one another. Mmm. The one thing a Mickey D's reception won't have, alcohol, since the fast food joint wants to ensure that inebriated attendees won't act inappropriately inside their family restaurant. Already, according to the South China Morning Post, the newly christened wedding venue has been getting 10 calls a month from engaged couples. Starting today, pairs wishing to throw their engagement parties and anniversary parties at McDonald's can also reserve the restaurant. This is in Hong Kong, and this is a wonderful thing. You can get alcohol in a number of countries around the world at the Mickey D's uh, Emporium. In Germany, actually, the first McDonald's to sell alcohol was in Germany in 1971, according to Wikipedia. So it is not not an unwidespread thing, if that means anything in the English language. But other news from McDonald, you want to know this, you do need to know this, that a woman named Sally Davies, an artist in Manhattan, has started the Happy Meal Project. This started six months ago. And the headline on this is, you want flies with that? (laughs) Ouch. So, this is from the Daily Mail. Looking almost as fresh as the day it was bought, this McDonald's Happy Meal is in fact a staggering six months old. Photographed every day for the past half a year by Manhattan artist Sally Davies, the kids' meal of fries and burger is without a hint of mold or decay. In a work entitled The Happy Meal Project, Mrs. Davies, 54, has charted the seemingly indestructible fast food meal's progress as it refuses to yield to the forces of nature. Sitting on a shelf in her apartment, Sally has watched the Happy Meal with increasing shock, and even her dogs have resisted the urge to try to steal a free tasty snack. I bought the meal on April 10th of this year and brought it home with the express intention of leaving it out to see how it fared, she said. I chose McDonald's because it was nearest to my house, but the project could have been about any other of the myriad of fast food joints in New York. The first thing that struck me on day two of the experiment was that it no longer emitted any smell. And then the second point of note was that on the second day, my dogs stopped circling the shelf it was sitting on trying to see what was up there. At six months, the food is plastic to the touch and has an acrylic sheen to it. The only change that I can see is that it has become hard as a rock. Petrified food. Amber. I think we can actually market some amber bracelets and clothing and jewelry with with pieces of Happy Meals in there, don't you think? No. But meanwhile, on the other side of the equation, this is from the Associated Press, Eastern Market in Detroit is getting a $100,000 grant from the U.S. Department of Agriculture to promote the availability of healthy Michigan-grown food. The grant was awarded by the Department of Agriculture's Farmer's Market Promotion Program, which helps improve and expand farmer's markets and community-supported agriculture programs. Senator Debbie Stabenow says the grant and $123,000 in matching funds will be used to get more healthy food into Detroit-area neighborhoods and improve access to such food by those without transportation. That's from the Associated Press. And this is Pandora's Lunchbox. In 10 minutes, it's going to be time to face the music with our wolf. But in the meantime, there is one more song about fast food. Sure like it.
Yeah. Okay. So we'll get right on that in just a moment. This is Pandora's Lunchbox, and that was Samsaya. Her name is Samsaya, and that was Fast Food. And coming up in a few minutes, Arwolf will help us to face the music. In the meantime, just a few more mentions, a few more things to note here. First of all, this is a worry. Look out for poppy seed buns on your burgers because the ACLU is representing a Pennsylvania woman who says her newborn baby was seized by county welfare workers. She failed a drug test because she ate a poppy seed bagel. ACLU attorney Sarah Rose said officials came to Elizabeth Mort's home three days after she gave birth at Jameson Hospital in Newcastle, Pennsylvania, last month. A state law allows hospitals to give blood tests to protect newborns from mothers who may be abusing drugs. Rose says the hospital and welfare workers rushed to judgment without thoroughly investigating. Heroin is made from poppies, and eating the seeds has been known to cause false positive drug tests. The hospital says it is comparing its procedures to other hospitals. The baby has since been returned. 
Wow, that's from the Associated Press. But before I go, one actual piece of useful information here. Now, as I mentioned, today's the 50th anniversary of the day that presidential candidate John F. Kennedy stood on the steps of the Michigan Union at the U of M in Ann Arbor and challenged U of M students to commit their lives to service in developing countries. And that inspired some U of M students to get moving on that, which eventually led to the creation of the Peace Corps. And there are some events going on around town uh, involving this, including a film series at North Quad Dining Hall at the U of M, which is Tuesdays beginning October 26th. And I'm going to read off some of those for you. The film series includes, the first film is Taking Root, The Vision of Wangari Matai. It's the story of the Greenbelt Movement and its Nobel Laureate founder. That's on October 26th. End of the Rainbow is about the impact of gold mining in Guinea on November 2nd. Poto Mitan is the story of five Haitian women who struggle against huge obstacles to create change through collective action. That's November 9th. And Once in Afghanistan is a film about the work of female Peace Corps vaccinators and its impact on them and Afghans. That's November 16th. All of these films, Tuesdays at 8 p.m. at North Quad Dining Hall on the U of M campus. Well, this has been Pandora's Lunchbox. I've been Mike for at least a half an hour. Almost time to face the music with Oliver Arwolf. But here's another point of view on this whole fast food eating at home discussion. The debate now goes to Paul and Linda McCartney, who have their opinion on the subject. This is Pandora's Lunchbox. This is WCBN-FM Ann Arbor.
That was very nice, Mike. Paul McCartney. He ought to just keep doing that. He could uh, make himself a name sometime, maybe make some money. It's almost 7 o'clock. This is WCBN-FM Ann Arbor, 88.3 megahertz. We are the voice of the underground intellectual resistance movement. Student-run experimental experiential radio at the U of M with lots of community involvement and also errant people from U of M staff, right, coming in here. People who normally work at the U of M during regular Clark Kent hours and then come down here and raise a little hell. So let's do it. Um, This evening on Face the Music, we're going to start in the 1920s and go boldly forth. We're going to take it from people like Isham Jones, Erskine Tate, Fletcher Henderson, and Fats Waller through some some of the uh, Dizzy Gillespie, Bud Powell, Wardell Gray, and Charles Mingus territory up and into Anthony Braxton and Max Roach the Art Ensemble of Chicago, and Ornette Coleman, all in the space of an hour. 